Hello, witches. This is Kara Kovacs, and this is Business Witch. As a third-generation witch, at least, and a business and life coach for mission-driven entrepreneurs and leaders, I teach you how to make money and magic as liberatory practices. Because when we know, seek, and embrace our full potential, we create a better world for everyone. Here you'll find tools, conversations, spells, and inspiration that take you from waiting to creating so you can build the business and life you're oh so worthy and capable of having. Let's go. Hello, witches. We are back with another fabulous guest. I've been familiar with Sarah Faith Gottesiner's work now for a couple of years, and she has such a wealth of knowledge and spiritual tools. And so I'm really, really excited to get her perspective and to share her magic with all of you. She's an author and she currently runs the Moon Studio. It is my pleasure to welcome to Business Witch, Sarah Faith Gottesiner. Thank you so much for having me. We had such a great talk earlier. You're going to be on my podcast, and I'm just so thrilled to get to continue the conversation today with you. So thank you. Yes. It's so funny, actually, even just bringing that up, I was thinking about your very, very first introduction to my community. The the first big launch I ever did in 2020, you taught for my program, and everybody loved you. So maybe we have some people who actually took that workshop listening to this many, many moons. Oh, those people were, your group was so great. They were so awesome. I wanted to hang out with all of you forever. That's so great. I love that. I love that. I know. It's nice to be able to be like years in and you've been around much longer than me. So tell the people a little bit about your work in the world, how the Moon Studio got started and uh, tell us all about your magic. Sure. Um, I've been working for myself since around 2011, 2012. I've done a lot of different jobs. I've worked since I was around 13 years old. I did a lot of time as a waitress. I've been a waitress at from everywhere from TGI Fridays to fine dining places. I've had, I've been a nanny. I've been a caterer. I've done telemarketing. I've done all kinds of different jobs. I've worked at some companies you've absolutely heard of. I have worked in fields like advertising as well. I'm trained as a graphic designer. I'm, I started as a visual artist and a designer. And then over the years, even within working more in the intuitive arts and in more spirituality, I guess you could say, I have been a tarot reader. I've been a collective channeler. I've been a writer, an author. I hold classes. The Moon Studio currently has served over 4,000 people with our classes. And we have a really beautiful, robust Patreon, which helps support the podcast I have, Moonbeaming. And uh, we teach classes on everything from energetic hygiene to boundaries to money to I'm doing a class on how to feel your feelings. It's our, I think it's like our last series of the year. Basically what I say is I currently teach everything I needed to know when I was 12, when I was 18, when I was 30, and specifically in the realms of like the unseen, the symbolic, the energetic, the intuitive, because I really would have benefited so much 
from knowing that there's so much more out there than what a lot of us are taught. And I have a pretty strong, although like I'm in a period of transition, like I think so many people are, but I have a pretty strong political feminist lens. I think that makes me a little bit different. I I see kind of everything as political. I was definitely introduced to a spirituality through a political lens. I think that we have to frame what we do in alignment with our values to the best of our ability. So that's also certainly something that I often try to bring into my praxis to the best of my ability while recognizing that it's it can be a struggle, it can be a challenge, and we got to start with where we are. I think that this is the place for political intuitives. And I think that that is such an important facet of the kinds of conversations that you and I both have with our communities of what often is missing in spiritual practice is the connection to... and. It, and it makes sense, right? Because when you were talking about the unseen and you're talking about places that exist perhaps in the ether or more philosophical or metaphorical, or sometimes it feels really easy to drop into them. Or if you're like me last night in the tub, I was like, okay, I'm ready to, to go into a portal. And then I was just like, wow, I feel really bound to my body right now, which side note, if you have any tips for that, <laughs> I'd love to talk portal jumping with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but how those things are so deeply connected to what's going on right now and how if we somehow separate that from our political consciousness or our awareness of some of the really horrible things happening in the world, it can be dangerous uh, to say the least. So (laughs) I mean, not to get too intense, but here I am. I mean, I I know I'm an intense person. It's totally fine. I I own it. I'm very comfortable with my intensity. A lot of what we see happening is what a lot of people are calling spiritual warfare. And it's happening on a lot of different levels. It's absolutely happening economically. It's absolutely happening racially. It's absolutely it's intersectional, right? It's happening in terms of gender, reproductive rights, trans rights, homophobia, we could the climate justice it's also happening on different levels and layers of all of our consciousness with like our attention being manipulated and influenced i could be here all day and so i definitely think that it's important to acknowledge how these things aren't separate they're all interwoven and they're interconnected and while i think sometimes that can make people feel overwhelmed. I know that can certainly make me feel overwhelmed. So I'm just, I want to put that out there. You know, if folks are like two minutes into our convo and they need to like take a drink of water, ground, come back to their body, like, you know, do some breathing exercises, put their energetic bubble up again, you know, hum, whatever they need to do for their vagus nerve, you know, great, go for it. And also, I know for myself, the more that I can live in practice, you know, like live being able to navigate different energetics, different curveballs, the more I'm able to stay in my body and stay in the present moment and stay connected to my intuition, listen to my body, pay attention to what's going on in my nervous system 
while also being able to transform those things, the more empowered I feel and the more access and the more resource I have to my individual sphere of influence, which is really all we have, right? I have, like we always say at my studio, we're like, control the controllables, you know, like don't try to take too much on, don't try to take too little on, figure out what you're responsible for, figure out what your gifts are, what your interests are, what your talents are, and figure out a way to use those first and foremost so that you feel pleasured or lit up or alive. And then to the best of your ability for other people, you know, and I think that there can be a lot of we've been talking a lot behind the scenes with like my patrons and in my classes. And I think this is a good place to talk about it. I'd love, love to hear your take on this. You know, we've been talking a lot about the propensity of service providers, of people who have the caretaker archetype, of people who care really deeply about the collective or social justice, you know, all of those things in that realm to really quickly become the martyr, to become burnt out. I think we have to rethink and dramatically recalibrate what service looks like and feels like on a collective level, you know, because I don't think that being of service means you have to feel drained, means you have to put yourself last. I think being of service is inherently joyful and is inherently alivening, enlivening. And I think we've really been taught on a collective level that service is something different than what I believe it needs to be in order to have more sustainability collectively. Because as you know, the fact of the matter is, is like the world pretty much runs on unpaid or underpaid labor. So there's already that going on. And I think that we have to be mindful of replicating certain setups in our own relationships and with our energy that we've internalized from society that we've been kind of running unconsciously because I believe there's more to life than, you know, feeling tired, overwhelmed, drained. And I know this is a very complex and a very nuanced conversation, but I do think that part of all the collective shifting that feels like it's up is the labor movement and like all kinds of labor and also the way we see ourselves and the way we see what we're providing for other people. I I know for myself, I'm in a big period of changing, recalibrating. I've never really, I never thought I had a problem, you know, but I realized that I have long COVID now. And like, so every time, you know, something large happens to someone, whether it be illness or change of life stuff or, you know, income change or whatever it may be, it's always time to check in on capacity. So that has sort of led me to recalibrate and be like, huh, is this as joyful as it could be? Like, is this, am I doing this out of ego? Am I doing this because 
it's been like unconsciously planted in me. You know, how are some different, what are some different ways that I can be of service that doesn't completely deplete me or drain me? And I'm not saying that I am. I'm just saying that I think that in my own refinement process and and in talking to other people now, that keeps kind of coming up, you know? There are so many places I want to go with what you said, two of which are anecdotal. So I'll start there. One, I, you know, I've been in some kind of coaching pretty much since I started my business in 2018, but I just got a new therapist and yay. <laughs> I And it's so funny. I've been doing also like very specific coaching. So if I had an emotional issue, like when I was processing a new relationship construct last year, I went to a polyamory coach. So like I would go to somebody specific for an issue, but I haven't been in generalized therapy, I think, since I started my business. So I have a new therapist. She looks like Professor Trelawney, total like transference happening of like, you look like a witch. Like I definitely already choose you. We started to talk about how I've been feeling. And I was saying like, I feel so privileged. I have this business that I love and I, I feel resourced in community. And I am scraping the bottle of the, I've never shared this on the podcast, but scraping the bottle of the barrel of my own motivation and resilience in a way that feels sort of like, what is the point all of the time? And making it very macro in the just, you know, looking at the collective trauma and the like constant barrage of like, I don't want to turn away, but I also don't want to be opening my phone immediately and seeing a, a horror the second I wake up and then looking at it until I go to sleep at night and like, I'm so lucky I'm not there, but I also, I can't stop looking at it. And I should like all of that, plus things going on in my personal life. And she said to me, something I want to offer everybody listening is, I think it would be weird if you didn't feel the way that you feel, which hadn't occurred to me. <laughs> she was like, I think it would be incredibly strange if you didn't feel this way. And so I think for everybody listening, you know, we're recording this right now on October 20th. This will probably come out in a month. Hopefully we'll have found some peace and some resolve in some of the really big issues that are going on the day that this podcast happens to be getting recorded. But for anybody listening who's been exhausted for basically since 2016, yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think in terms of entrepreneurship and business building, it does really beg the question of like, how do we want to show up as small business owners? Something I've always looked to you to do, even just having looked on your website and, and some of your policies of like, we don't respond to brute emails or like not taking DMs. Like I remember looking at that very early on in my career and being like, oh yeah, like I need to build an infrastructure where I don't feel like anybody from anywhere can contact me at any time about anything. <laughs> like that there's, it, it, we live in a culture that has never existed like this before. Listen, 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 listen. Everything I had to learn, I had to learn it the hard way. It has been this gradual, steady, consistent, conscious, taking my power back, taking my energy back, giving myself permission, thinking about what makes the most sense for me and having to implement certain policies, guardrails, all of these things. And 
this is the other thing. And I'm really glad you brought this up because I've been talking about this with a couple of my friends who have jobs in which they have to have some kind of online presence or, you know, like not a not a job where they can be anonymous or clock in. And it's it feels. And when I and then to add anecdotally, sometimes when I try to explain to some of my friends who do have jobs that they just go to their job, you know, like my partner, sometimes I think they don't even think I'm being honest about like some of the things that I that have happened to me as a result of like being the teeniest, tiniest, littlest bit public. And I think that's also part of it. It's like the accumulation of that. Um, I think that what we expect out of each other and particularly people who are perhaps a little bit more public or kind of have to be as part of their job currently, uh, I think that we expect things out of them that we don't actually, like that people don't even expect for themselves. I think that we're in this very exciting space where you can become a creator and you can bring forth the world in which you want. And you can do that. And you can do that with the ease that, as you've said, we've like never experienced before. And it's really wonderful and it's really beautiful. And in a lot of ways, it potentially can take the like gatekeeping away, which is amazing. And also, as you said, there are I'll use the word, sorry, everyone, content warning, like it's unprecedented. Like there isn't any precedent for what can sometimes come alongside certain jobs, you know? And I think that's something that in this year we're in collectively, we're in like a seven year, if we're using the Gregorian calendar, I know not everyone uses the Gregorian calendar, but if we're looking at it that way, from a numerological perspective, sevens are this crossroads energy of like, I can't, like, I think a lot of us are feeling energetically or collectively or abstractly or emotionally, like the saying, like, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. We're sort of like, I don't want to stay where I am. And also, I'm not quite sure where I want to go or where I want to be. I know what's not working, but I'm not quite sure what else there could be. And so we're in this, like, we're in this pivot. Sevens are always this kind of line in the sand, if you will, a chapter beginning and a chapter ending. And when you're in between the chapter ending and the chapter beginning, or if you, like many of us, have simultaneously different chapters, like wrapping up, some are staying the same. You know, we we have m- many books on our bookshelf. It can feel like a lot. And then when you combine that with uh, being an awake and aware person in the world, who cares about the state of the world and is seeing what's going on, it can feel very challenging. Something you had written in an email thread to me about what you wanted to talk about today, which I think is perfect, is getting over the fear of being perceived. Because when I wrote that down in my notes for this episode, I accidentally wrote getting over the fear of being projected on. 
(laughs) I think there's a subtle distinction, but we're talking about the same thing. And what you had said about um, people like expecting things from you that they wouldn't even expect from themselves. For people listening who maybe haven't imagined that, because I also think with some of my clients, they want visibility because they imagine that it will equal profit which I I can tell you having coached people with like half a million followers who haven't monetized their platforms and also coaching people who like have businesses and no digital presence who are doing very well. There is like no correlation between visibility and profitability whatsoever. But there is a correlation between visibility and people deciding who you are based on their perception of you and nothing else, and then interacting with you as their perception of you, which is a wild thing to experience. So I I don't know if you have also rituals and practices that you think would be helpful for people to know, and then also just general thoughts on that. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And I want to also say, again, I'm loving this conversation because I feel like these are the kinds of things that people will talk about behind closed doors, but like a lot of different people are talking about it. And these are conversations that are being had. And I'm glad that we're normalizing it and like bringing it out. Like it just feels like I'm like, I have like a sigh of relief. Like I have so much to say about this as someone who has gotten projected a lot on and I suppose perceived as well and who has been very afraid of being perceived because I am pretty shy. I'm pretty introverted. I'm pretty guarded. I'm highly sensitive. I am just, I'm not an extrovert. Like I'm just not, I have friends who are, and they're naturally extroverted. I always had wish I could be that way, but I'm just not, you know, it takes me a while to warm up to people. And this is another thing I want to say for everyone who are energy workers I have my energetic field set up consciously in such a way that people, most of the time, if it's set up correctly, if it's set up as intended, many people, like I have good energetic boundaries. I have like a good, I have a nice, strong aura. And a lot of times what's happening unconsciously is that people are trying to read you And people are also trying to, and this is unconscious. I want to be so clear about this. This is, no one is like, fingers crossed. Most people are not consciously thinking, oh, I'm going to have a conversation. I'm like, I'm having this conversation right now. I'm going to like reach my energy out to you. I'm going to maybe take some of this person's energy or drain some of this person's energy. But we often do it unconsciously, you know? And at the very least, what we're doing constantly, what are, you know, this, like, because this is what you do as your job, our nervous systems are co-regulating to one another. And so when you set your energetic field up in such a way that it has a nice, beautiful shield around it, it throws people off, number one, because most people are used to canoodling with other people's energy. Like most people are pretty energetically open. Most people don't know how many feet around them their aura is. Their aura could be like the size of a city block, you know, like, and they don't know it. And they're just picking up energy left and right. We often don't think about what we're doing with our energy. 
And we often don't think about what we unconsciously want from other people, you know, because I'm very energetically sensitive. I have set up my bubble in such a way that, you know, it's it's moderately challenged, like people can't really get in. And people read that as me being unfriendly, disinterested. But what they're reading is that they can't like get in. And I know I sound to some people, I know I'm sounding like I'm on a different planet. And hopefully for some people listening, they're like, aha, they're like, oh, wait, what what does my energy do when I'm around someone? Wait, when someone's visibly upset, when someone's like visibly upset and that is someone I care about and I love, is my energy also being codependent with this person? Like, am I trying to mm, hug them energetically? Am I trying to fluff them? Am I so uncomfortable with their feelings or their emotions or their expression? Am I somehow reacting to that? Is my discomfort with their emotions, is that their emotions and their energy? Or is it just my reaction? And now unconsciously or subconsciously, I'm judging that person or I'm repulsed by that person. Or like we do these little micro things all day long. We're like, oh, this person isn't responding in the way that I want. I, this is where it comes in with projection. I, 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 I did a long setup, but I really wanted people to like really get the background here. Oh, wait, this person isn't smiling or this person doesn't seem like they are interested in me, even though they are not giving you any indication that they're not. But like we make these snap judgments based on our filters, based on societal constructs and based through like nervous system and energetic reads. And for those of us who are sensitive, it can be rad because we're like, oh, this person's saying one thing but their energy isn't really matching this thing that they're saying. You know how sometimes we're like, I had a funny feeling about that. Or I, 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 you leave a conversation and you're like, I feel kind of off and I don't really know why. And then you kind of come to find out that maybe that person wasn't being completely upfront. Or you would get some information that maybe that person was just having a really hard day. And it's not that they're like, have bad energy, quote unquote. It's just that they got really sad news about a beloved family member and that you're reading their energy, even though they're like needing to stay upright because this is what we need to do as human beings to get through the day. So the first thing I would say to anyone listening is take accountability for yourself and start noticing where you project onto other people. Start noticing where you unconsciously are expecting certain reactions, responses, behaviors from people in your beloved circle and like in the world based on age, race, class, gender, physical appearance, like the snap decisions you put on people, start realizing how often you do that, when you do that, and maybe even why you do that. And the reason is A, we want to clean up our side of the street. And also we want to have compassion because once you sort of start realizing it, you're like, oh, okay, this is what humans do. Like, I don't have any judgment on people who will, who I can see, like I can often see they want something from me or they, they had thought I was going to be a certain way, you know, because I think a lot of people think when you're like doing quote unquote spiritual work, you're like in white linen and you talk like this and you're just like, yeah, whatever you need. I'm just this open font of like energy. And like, I'm a 
Jewish lady from the East Coast who's queer and like, I'm just, I don't fit, I don't fit the the stereotype, you know? And so there's that kind of thing. And then there's this other thing too, if we're talking about appearances, like I'm very little, I'm very petite. And especially from men like my life, in my life, like over the years, they've wanted me to be like a five foot two, like tiny little thing. And I don't have the energy of that. And so then there's that dissonance, right? So we're doing it all the time. And so that has given me a lot of compassion for, you know, people projecting certain things on me. The other thing that I want to pull out, and I really want to hear from you and what you think, although I have like, I teach energetic hygiene. It's part of why I do what I do. Because when I started understanding that it was a game changer, it was a lifesaver. I have so much more energy now. I take so much less personally now. And even the kinds of interactions we receive as a studio are like so different because we've done a lot of energetic work and other boundaries. But what I wanted to hear from you, because I know this is one of your like sites of expertise, is the other thing I have noticed as well is the influence of transactionality when you start like running a business and you start running a business as a woman, there is when people like the the treatment and I don't really know why I'm surprised by this because I was a waitress for years. You know, I worked in service. I've worked at the mall. Like I see how customers can be, you know, I and I'm talking specifically, I think about Americans. I think Americans in general have such a unhealthy relationship with capitalism that they think like, oh, I'm I'm paying for the six dollar Starbucks latte. So that means I can like yell at the person behind the counter. You know, you're they're like, oh, I'm giving you twenty dollars. So this means I can just treat you as if you are this disposable object. And I think we internalize that like growing up, you know, being rude to waiters, being rude to service providers, you know, all of that stuff. And so that's the other thing that I found really fascinating. I am innocent and I am a naive person, which is fine. But I somehow thought that because I was interested in spirituality, that somehow I would have interactions within my business that were going to be slightly different than I'm putting in quotes, business as usual. And I want to be really clear here. Like 90 to 95% of our interactions are beautiful, ice cream sundae, vegan, cherry on top, like clouds, angels. The very, 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 very vast majority of the people we interact with are amazing and I love them. And that's why I keep doing what I do. And also we've had situations where I've been like, oh, right, this is how it's like the customer is always right. Or like, and so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe some of the work that you do with some of your clients and or like within your business to maybe separate like your inherent worth from like certain interactions that happen around the business. Or if you've like, if you've had your own situations like that I'm talking about or just what you like philosophically maybe what you think this is about I I cuz I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this part you know Yeah I haven't either I loved what you said a bit earlier about like I feel like we're having a conversation that's not had 
It's my favorite kind of conversation to have. I'm always like, let's talk about what makes other people feel uncomfortable to say. It's my favorite place to hang out. And what I was thinking of when you were talking about it was a Tara Brock podcast episode I listened to. I was hiking earlier this week that if anybody wants to look it up, you can look up her podcast and the episode is called The Path to Sacred Relatedness. And she was talking about when you see somebody through the contracted lens of what you want from them, you don't see who they are. You just see what you want from them. And like, you could apply this to anything in a relationship. I want my partner to be more proactive or more complimentary or like more desirous of me or whatever. And then you actually can feel the feeling of that inside of your body instead of being like an open channel of like sending love and appreciation and gratitude. You're a contracted lens of you're not giving me what I want, which it means you're also not even seeing them for who they are. So it, it's like impossible. Or what? they could give you, which would probably be great. Yeah. And and if you were to ask for it, you're also asking through a lens of expectation and not a lens of like openness, right? So that's just, it's one example. But I think in business and specifically when you bring capitalism into it and you talk and you look at how extractive capitalism is, and we are operating inside of capitalism, we're selling things. We are service providers. I know that you have products, but also like selling energy work or healing arts or into like that comes from something that is really, and the products can also be sacred. I I know for some people who would make their products, they're very, very sacred, but it's something that's coming literally from inside of you that you're delivering to someone. So there's like an exchange of that. Like you might not meet everybody who orders a ritual candle, but like you are literally in an exchange with someone in a in that way where that there can be a, a projection and a receiving and a miscommunication. And I think what I do with clients, like well, this is specific to one-on-one clients, but if there is something that is misaligned, we have what I call a cleanup call. And like we have it immediately because as soon as there is weird energy, which this happens, if I coach anybody long enough, it happens at least once. And it could be the most simple thing. It could be miscommunication, the way that I said something was not how they heard it, like simple things, but like you're talking about really intimate, important things with people. And so I immediately will have a cleanup conversation. And as the provider, I think there the onus really on me is to take accountability of like, even if you didn't hear me in the way that I said, like I just take accountability for that interaction happening at all. And with a one-on-one client, it's so different because we have an established relationship of trust and appreciation. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a different relationship as opposed to, and I wrote about this on Instagram the other day, like I have received propositions to be people's sugar baby, (laughs) like more more than 10 times. Lucky. I mean, hello. (laughs) Like, why not? Like I, those, you have a calling. This Can this be your side job? Like, that's amazing. I've like, never heard that. I've never heard someone get proposition. That really, that much. I've gotten so many of them. That's the best. I've, I've gotten like the entire dialogue of someone's very traumatic childhood in the DMs. Mm, like, yeah. And I was like, no trigger yeah. warning. Wasn't expecting to read that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten like things that are unkind about my physical appearance. Like I've, I've just gotten like weird things in my DMs. I've had people ask for refunds from programs. I think most people who 
run programs, have had refund requests. And I have a no refunds policy on my programs. But like if someone wrote to me and said, actually, I have to go into inpatient treatment or actually I'm not yeah. sick, like you're getting your money back. Like it's of not course, a yeah. question. But it's it to your point of like people yelling at the Starbucks employee, a lot of times requests for things that are really it was the person's decision to purchase <laughs> oh yeah we're not like it's so bizarre yeah it's not like we like strap someone onto a chair glued their hand and like you know like of course like you, you we get to make informed decisions about like what we're doing with our time energy and money yeah I mean I think I really love so there's just a couple things I want to underscore of what you said I really love taking it back and remembering that like we're all human I really love thinking about ways in which we can control the controllables in our own life and notice where we might be having expectations around certain things. And I also think that when I first started, a question I would ask myself frequently was, is this going to matter in five minutes, five weeks, or five years? And then I would proceed accordingly. And I would also try to, like a lot of this goes in alignment with like energetic transmutation and nervous system regulation as well, because I think for a lot of sensitive folks, and I think for a lot of folks who might have a background of trauma, I think that, and here I'm staying with the perceived projected piece, because the reason why I'm staying here as well is time and time again, this is the thing that comes up with whether I work with folks who are artists, jewelers, coaches, yoga instructors, like podcasters, really anyone, because this is something I do want to pull out that I think it's important to name. A lot of people uh, who are all of these things and more creatives, teachers, facilitators, people who work for themselves, freelancers, they don't necessarily want to be famous. They don't necessarily want to get on reality TV or have their own talk show or anything like that. But they understand inherently that part of their vocation, part of their calling, part of their job is sharing their voice, is sharing their wisdom. So it's not like this ego thing and that they're like, look at me, you know, tap dancing all over, but they know in order to have the kind of vocation that they would like and to have their artwork or their creations be supported, they have to be visible. They understand that, right? And so if that's you, I just want to underscore, it's totally great. That's normal. It makes total sense to me, you know, go on and do that. But what the stumbling block is a lot is around perception and being perceived and putting themselves out there. And I think that for folks who are sensitive and who have a history of trauma, this is where this control stuff comes up. You know, control meets nervous system, like meets ego stuff. And the fact that we cannot control how we are perceived, we cannot control. And you know this, and I'm sure many people listening who have been seen for a while or who have worked for themselves for a while or just, you know, existed in the world, you could be the sweetest angel on the mountain. You could have a voice like this and wear all white linen and do everything for everyone. And it still won't be enough for some people. You, For some people, you won't be the right flavor of angel. 
they will for for some of you something you say will remind them of like something their eighth grade teacher said that like bothered them and then they'll they're just like i just don't like her you know there's so many things going on and all you can do is show up with presence show up in integrity show up in enjoyment and like hopefully with interest in what you're doing and why you're doing, show up with creativity, uh, gratitude, all these good things. Because what I want to remind folks is who are service providers is that in my humble cosmology, we're meant to enjoy what we do and we're meant to like experience ourselves to our fullest in a self-full way, not a self-ish way. And that's how we are best of service, you know, and that's all we can really do. We can make sure that like our words are aligning with our actions. We can make sure that we're communicating to the best of our ability. And then we have to let everything else go and just like be like, okay, some people aren't going to like me. Some other people will have a problem with me. I might activate certain other people and I love that you brought up like you're just like, you know, what? I'm just going to take accountability because that's so that shows that like you're so humble and that we live in such a carceral world and we live in such like a defensive world where we're automatically put on opposite sides or opposite teams. And we can forget that if we feel activated or we feel like uneasy in some way or our nervous system feels off, whether or not it has to do with the other person, you know? And I think, again, we have to be really mindful about what's going on. This is such a dumb story, and I've told it way too many times, but I don't care. The word for me, one of the words of my year this year was judgment because, spoiler, I wanted to really clear away all my unconscious judgments I had that were, you know, narrowing, contracting my experience of life. And like in January, I realized that I have two dogs. This is like classic. One is an angel and she's like my dog. And then the other is my partner's dog who my partner brought home who's my, like, his, this dog's energy is a lot for me. And what I realized I was doing is he's just a dog. He wasn't even doing anything bad. Like he wasn't like getting in my shoes or destroying anything. He's just very high energy. And he's, he's a pug for all you listeners. And I'd never interacted with pugs before. They're very full on. Okay. They're like having a small child and all you parents don't get mad at me because I know they're super different, but they're very like with you and want to be with you and require a lot from you and have a lot of energy, at least ours does. Long story long, I realized that I was labeling something I didn't prefer with this dog being bad. This dog was not bad at all. This dog was just this dog. And I was like, oh, this dog isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with this dog. I just don't prefer it. And I kept starting to say that. And now I will say that. I'll be like, oh, I don't prefer their communication style. But that doesn't mean they're like, bad or there's something wrong with them. That doesn't even mean necessarily that I dislike them. I'm just understanding what certain preferences I have are. And then within that, I parse it out even further of being like, is this my shadow? Like, is this my shit? Like, or is there a real reason? Are they being rude? Are they cutting me off? Like, are they interrupting me? Is there a reason for that preference? 
you know, and then if it gets to a point, I can have a conversation with them or something. But so much of if we're not like clear and we don't know what's going on, we're just going to project. And if we're not clear and someone else is projecting on us, then you're in a tangle dangle of like, you know, like all these cords wrapped up that's going to take you forever because you're not going to know what's yours, what's the other person. You're not going to know if you're reacting to a projection. Like what? Like how many times are people having conversations where they're reacting to a projection and then the other person is reacting to that projection and it's like maybe not even in reality. And we see it happen and we're often sometimes engaged in it ourselves. And so I just think it's a really great reminder to be aware, to like know what's yours, to have more compassion and to like understand that part of being a human being is is some of this stuff. Yeah. And is acting like largely from our unconscious. I mean, that's a superpower because in coaching, right? So many of our unconscious decisions, fears, beliefs, that's what's building the, the platforms that we're either monetizing or not, or feel good about or don't. Or, and I think that that's such a good reminder of it's not just how you want to see things, which I think is like very common coaching. It's like, what do you want to believe is true? And it's like, okay, great. You can write that. But if the subconscious script is fear of being seen or fear of being uh, projected upon, or you're doing that so much to other people that you're so clouded by your own negative judgments that you're not an authentic channel for what it is that you want to be creating because you're distracted. I mean, there's just so much there. Like we could have a whole part two conversation of this. Um, and I think it's, it's really valuable for people because we make so many decisions from that place like And like you said, even just way earlier on, like your friend could be having a really bad day and not be mad at you. And if you're like me, I'm the kind of person who's always like, oh, they hate me. <laughs> like my head always goes, oh, they hate me. And I've had to be like, that's a, that comes from things in my past. And like, that's actually probably not the case. And that's something that I'm saying inside of myself. And it, it takes a lot of work to be able to do that especially when you're dysregulated, especially when you care deeply about the opinions of other people. I think in in business, I love the question you posed of like, will this matter in five minutes, five hours or five years? Like, yes, it's true. You're not going to have 100% happy customers. There are people at every restaurant who've sent a dish back, even the best restaurants in the world. Like, for some people, it's just too spicy or for some people, it just didn't have enough salt. And like that has nothing to do with the quality of the food that has to do with the taste of the person. It's impossible to have a business without having those kinds of interactions. It doesn't matter what kind of business that you have. But in terms of your life, I, I think all of us right now would do well to, and I've been trying to practice this with how difficult everything is and like being being a Jewish person who uh, is a descendant of Holocaust survivors, it's been really interesting to try to talk to my family about what's going on right now because they have a very specific scope through which they are seeing things. Mm -hmm. And when BLM happened, there was it was very obvious to me how I wanted to like have that conversation with them. And this feels so markedly different 
because there is a very contracted lens. And so I think particularly right now and going into the 2024 election season, which this is, again, how spiritual entrepreneurship is political, like we need to remember the the scope of, of view that we are meeting people from if we ever want to reach them in a place of compassion with which we can actually enact change. Yes. <laughs> yes. I didn't mean to go there, but there it was. <laughs> it's real. You know, it's reality. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, I mean, the only other thing I'll add, and I think this is, I think this conversation hopefully will, you know, affirm, give some food for thought, give some practices that folks can try, um, reassure them that they're not going insane, you know, like there's all these different levels. I also think that I know another thing I always want to catch in myself is when I get too extreme in my thinking, when I get too black and white or either or in my thinking, I know that that's often a like my ego coming in really loud or my scarcity parts or my scared parts or my more emotionally immature parts you know the the part of my brain that just needs a simple solution or that needs some kind of drama or that needs some kind of us versus them or or you know whatever that may be and i think that the older i get the more i do try to watch that in myself even with myself you know and so what i often tell people who take my classes and a practice I try to use when I find like I've gotten contracted either about myself, my business, my relationships, whatever, is like every problem or question has at least three different solutions. So what are those three different solutions or what are those three different possibilities? And within those, like what feels doable, what feels best, you know, but I think using the, the, that, like understanding that there's just more than one way to do something, there, there doesn't have to be just one solution. There doesn't just have to be one way you can fill in the blank, have a relationship, run a business, approach your creativity, you know, think about repair, you know, like there, we have options. And often when we feel activated and contracted, we feel as though we don't have options and we feel like if we're not doing all the things, you know, or being some kind of superhero or whatever that, well, then we shouldn't do anything or, you know, whatever it is. Or likewise, we feel so disempowered that we think, well, it doesn't matter. Why should I even call my rep or why should I even like donate this or why should I even have this conversation or whatever? And it does matter, you know, like it does matter. Everything we do, most things that we do can matter, you know, especially if they matter to us. So I feel like this idea of like hope being an action, I think that we're going to continue to have conversations around like energy, capacity, labor, energetic hygiene. I think that it would be good for all of us to, and I really do not mean this flippantly. I say this as someone who's, you know, had my long periods of underworld journeying. I think it would like 
behoove all of us to center more awe, joy, play, laughter, and to remember that like hope is this action, that we don't wait to feel hopeful or we don't wait to feel joyful much in the way that we don't wait for the creative muse to happen or we don't wait to feel totally good in order to like move forward because for some of us, we would be waiting maybe forever, you know? And so that's another thing I wanted to say about this year as we know that this will be airing in 2023 is like this is in fact the time to continue to put like one step in front of the other, understanding that we're probably going to feel ambivalent, understanding that we might not all be on board about the decision that we're making or the thing we're trying, or we might not be feeling super happy or jazzed, but we need to put that into practice, like almost like reps, you know, that we have to just practice more and more so we can build our capacity for connection, vulnerability, joy, play, all of the things, because we're going to need those things and they're not separate and they're not a reward. Like we get to experience them to the best of our ability wherever we are. Yeah, they're so vital. I mean, we they, they're a lifeline. They're necessary. I sent this to my email list last week, but I'll link it in the show notes. It's a guide for activism burnout for anybody who needs that right now. But for people who want to learn more about Sarah Faith and her work and maybe classes, Patreon, podcasts, where do you want to direct everyone? And we'll definitely link those in the show notes as well. Yeah, the best way is the newsletter. So they can just go to our site. It's moon-studio.co. And then it just says newsletter and you can just sign up for that. We send it about once a week and it's whatever's going on, whatever we're thinking about, free stuff. Sometimes it's stuff like I don't share with anyone else. Sometimes it's discounts, you know, but you'll always be the first to know what's going on with us. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. This was great. We'll maybe have to have you back. I feel like there's so much more we could be talking about. I'm sure the conversation will continue and it's always a pleasure and I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you bring to your people and how you are. And um, it's always such a such a pleasure and a joy to get to be in your presence. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in, witches. We will see you next time. 